It's time to think differently about healthcare, but how do we keep up? The days of yesterday's medicine are long gone, and we're left trying to figure out where to go from here. With all the talk about politics and technology, it can be easy to forget that healthcare is still all about humans. And many of those humans have unbelievable stories to tell. Here, we leave the policy debates to the other guys and focus instead on the people and ideas that are changing the way we address our health. It's time to navigate the new landscape of healthcare together and hear some amazing stories along the way. Ready for a breath of fresh air? It's time for your Paradigm Shift. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare and thank you for listening. I'm Michael Roberts here today with my co-hosts Scott Seitzer and Jared Johnson. On today's episode, we're speaking with Maya Saeed. She's the founder, president, and CEO of Outcomes For Me, the creators of a breast cancer app that makes it easier to know your treatment options. Maya, thank you so much for your time today and for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So if you could give us a two-minute origin story for Outcomes For Me. Sounds good. I'll try to make it two minutes, uh, knowing that it's never two minutes to start a company. But let me just tell you why we actually started Outcomes For Me. So Partly is driven by a personal story, which is I come from a family of healthcare doctors generation. So, you know, I'm a baby healthcare person and uh, I studied biomedical engineering and pre-med. And then my entire career until starting the company has been in the healthcare industry. So throughout my life, I've came to believe that I actually understood patients and that professionally, I was focused on patients. I was working in, in large pharmaceutical companies. Until the time I became a patient for the first time in my life. So this is in 2006. And to make a very long story short, you know, in retrospect, it ended up not being something serious, but serious enough that it needed a major operation. And in a period of six months, I realized that not only I had never been a patient in my life before, but it actually humbled me as an experience. And it had three aspects to it. First was the initial chapter of kind of realizing what this was about. And I was a bit shocked how overwhelming the experience was. I was Googling and I went from, you know, this is nothing to I could die tomorrow. And I'm a scientist by training. I work in this industry. I could not parse out the information. So that was like the initial experience. Then, okay, we kind of got it diagnosed. I was living in New York City at the time. I wanted to come to Boston and get a second opinion. So I was being treated at NYU, going to another large hospital, Mass General Hospital. And just being able to take my images that I've taken in NYU to MGH was an ordeal. I had to literally go and tell them, I'm going to pick them up tomorrow. It's my right as a patient to have them, give them to me, and then show up the next day at MGH. And then the last chapter, just to keep this to two minutes, I had the major operation done. And then, you know, I started getting uh, healthcare bills, a major payer, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I'm receiving these bills. Mind you, I was actually in charge of market access at the large pharma professionally. So payers were my customers. But I received the bill for the first time as a patient. I literally could not read it. I did not know if I owed the insurance $40,000. So all this to say that this experience actually opened my eyes to realizing that actually patients, let alone patients going through a serious disease such as cancer, 
are extremely overwhelmed. And today there is no solution that is trying to help them really navigate through their care. With breast cancer being such a, a common thing, a common disease, kind of like in the overall landscape of things like that, like I think that a lot of us that are, are listening or are participating today have somebody that we know that's gone through that scenario. And I think that almost every one of us can identify with that same feeling of just not knowing what to do. So many points of, of just being completely overwhelmed from everything that you mentioned. And, and I wish that, you know, your experience was more of an outlier than, than the norm, but we do hear that being the norm for so many people. Can you tell us a little bit more, like you get these, these different points and you talk about several different points where you're kind of feeling overwhelmed and feeling kind of lost in the system, so to speak. Like, how is it that Outcomes for me helps people in that space. Yeah, no, excellent question. So, so one of the issues in healthcare, as we all know, is that it's a very weird industry in the sense that the consumer, us, the patients, have zero power. And the reason we have zero power is we don't get to decide what we take. We don't get to ultimately pay for what we buy. And so that creates kind of, you know, an industry where with time, very little, very little has been developed that's specifically focused on the consumer first. Mm -hmm. So where we'd like to believe we're taking a very different approach is essentially where it's such a patient first company. Our user is the consumer and we want to bring in what we call consumer grade experience to healthcare. What does that mean? It's a bit crazy that today, if I want to pick a lipstick, I have more information as a consumer to pick which one is good for me than if I want to kind of pick what treatment options I have if I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. It's crazy, but it's true. And the reason that's the case is because there's, there's the Amazons of this world that have taken consumer-grade experiences to the next level but we haven't done the same thing in healthcare. So what we do very differently at Outcomes for Me and what we strive to do is essentially, you know, once diagnosed, and as you mentioned, we're focused on breast cancer as a start. Once diagnosed with breast cancer, essentially as a patient, we really have one of two questions. First is what are my options, right? I mean, it's, it's shocking as an experience, but I wanna know what my options are. And second, I wanna know how my life is gonna change so that I can better manage this life. In some sense, my body has betrayed me, and now I want to get back the sense of control and hope that I have lost when I've been diagnosed with that disease. And to do that, what we do at Outcomes for Me is we use technology to help patients get back that sense of control and hope by bringing all that information that exists in the science and making it personal to them and actionable. That's definitely something where we see a lot of different disease types. So I've got a, a chronic patient in my family, so we have to deal with disease. And a lot of the information that we were looking at, we were definitely in that kind of overwhelmed state where we were looking at all the information, but we didn't know how to apply it to our case specifically. So I'd love to hear more about this personalization side of it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So here's the thing, right? So when we're all looking for information, the issue of that approach, whether we're doing it, you know, by Googling or we're asking a friend, 
is we have two two problems. One is the burden of search is on us as patients, as users. We have to know what we're looking for to find it. If I'm talking about breast cancer, just asking kind of, you know, okay, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. How am I, you know, what are my options is not enough. I need to know that, you know, in the context of breast cancer, HER2 status is important. Hormone status is important. These are things that I don't know from the get-go when I'm diagnosed. That's number one. The number two is exactly what you said, Michael, is kind of, you know, once, even if we knew exactly what we're looking for, there's so much information that comes back at us today that we cannot, we're not equipped to parse it out. And by parsing it out, it doesn't only mean if it's, you know, scientifically valid or anecdotal, but it does also mean if this is relevant to me today, tomorrow, or in a month, and we're not ready, we don't have all that information at hand to know what's relevant. So, what we do at Outcomes for Me is essentially there is no concept of search. Everything, as you mentioned, is personalization. What does that mean? Personalization means that essentially I'm guiding you as a patient to better understand what is your diagnosis so that I can provide you with the information that is relevant to you at that point in time. And the way I do that is we personalize, so, you know, we do this via a mobile app because we want people to access it wherever they are where the, uh, in the world. We essentially meet people where they are and they can download the app. And then the first thing that the experience asks them is kind of, you know, to, we're trying to understand what the diagnosis is. So we're not asking you what is your diagnosis. We're providing you with the opportunity to either, you know, personalize the experience based on the, your clinical data, so your medical records, or then we ask specific questions that are very relevant and adapted to your case. And based on that, we provide personalized evidence-based information. That's the other element that's very important. It's not only personalization, but it, we're science-driven. That essentially everything, the information, the guiding that you go through on the platform is evidence-based. To do that, we've been partnering with different healthcare organizations and guidelines to bring all that to the patients so that they can navigate through their care. I love the approach to how you're helping the patients. How is the provider benefiting from this as well? Yeah, great point. So, so one thing that's very important to understand about outcomes for me is we are here to help patients, but we are also here to extend the relationship between the patient and the provider, right? So obviously... We're not here to replace any provider. We're here to really kind of augment that relationship. Today, as a provider, you know, providers, essentially, the reason they're providers and they're doctors and in the healthcare industry is because they essentially want to help patients. That's what they signed up for. But unfortunately, today they spend actually a relatively small amount of their time doing that versus everything else they have to be doing. They're really overwhelmed by other administrative tasks. The time they have with their patient is shrinking, not extending. So where a platform like us comes into play is essentially it creates a means for shared decision-making between the provider and the patient that allows for that contact to be not only much more meaningful and more efficient for the provider and to have an engaged patient on the other side that helps essentially lead to better outcomes. We're really always focused on making sure that we're not creating new workflows, 
But essentially, we're really going into their workflows and reducing the administrative burden, not increasing it. That's something we've heard echoed, I think, through some of the different folks that we've talked to, where we, we had a guest on that talked about physicians aren't resistant to technology if it's actually helping them and not creating more work for them. So I'm sure that, that physicians are, are appreciating what you're doing there. So you've got this idea scoped out. You've figured out how to help patients. You've figured out how to help providers. And it really does seem like a win-win. The, the more that, that people can be educated and can feel confident in the process certainly helps the both sides of that equation. So when did you know it was time to start marketing this product and not just building the thing out? It's interesting. So I told you the reason I started this company was driven by a personal experience. And so, you know, my person, I did not go through cancer, right? So my personal experience was different from the initial product we developed in breast cancer. But essentially, it was a hypothesis to say if I was overwhelmed, and we all know the, you know, have friends, close friends that actually have gone through these experiences, you know, there's much more need on that side than let us start with breast cancer. So, you know, we started developing the app, and one of the very, very first things we wanted to do is essentially we brought in, we wanted to bring things that people just don't have access to today. So the initial partnership we did was with the NCCN, the National Cancer Center uh, Network, which is essentially the guideline committee, the guideline authority in the U.S. and the world on issuing cancer guidelines. It's a number of, uh, of the top cancer institutions that issue guidelines in every cancer. So we've integrated their breast cancer clinical guidelines. And we created an experience where we were still testing it with you know, friends that we know have gone through breast cancer. We also wanted to make sure that what we're developing is reachable to anybody wherever they are in the world. So we did a small pilot where we kind of, you know, put a very small ad on Facebook, you know, kind of asking people that have been diagnosed with breast cancer to, you know, kind of participate in essentially testing the product. And then what happened, which is actually earlier than I would have anticipated, we started hearing more and more people tell us, oh, I wish I had this when I was first diagnosed. Oh, I wish I had this just a few months ago. And so that kind of led us to actually start marketing the application perhaps earlier than I had anticipated because we thought more people can actually just benefit and also help us develop it. And so, you know, we started just, you know, kind of putting through Facebook groups, through different ads to make sure that not only our friends and connections to our friends were, you know, knew about it, but also the person that's sitting, you know, like one of our earlier states was people in Alaska downloading the app. Because these are the people that benefit also the most, not people, we're based in Boston. I mean, arguably, you know, people in Boston have access to more things than, you know, people are sitting in Alaska. So that's kind of what got us to actually start marketing it. Everybody, I always appreciate that you tune in, that you're listening to, to the show here. I wanted to let you know that we have set up a new newsletter that you can get to at paradigmshift.health. That's paradigmshift.health. You can go there. And the reason that we've got this newsletter is that we like to send out a few extra pieces of information with the show. We also have a full transcript for every single episode that we do. And we can let you know that through email. We can let you know also if we have like a good quote card to be able to show for every episode. So check that out if you'd like, paradigmshift.health. Thanks so much. Health tech companies rely a lot on 
their provider relationships to grow and scale uh, the business. And I was kind of curious about how you connect with the local providers to get that early stage feedback and, and how you work yourself into their individual processes, because everybody has a little bit different process in terms of workflow. Absolutely. So, so as I mentioned, from the get-go, we felt that for this to be really, you know, transformative, if you will, as a platform, it was very, very important for us to not only be consumer-grade, so in other words, really kind of develop it for patients and focused on the, not only the patient experience, the person experience, right? Like being treated as a person, not as a patient. But also, we also felt it was very, very important from the get-go that we develop it with the provider in mind. Why? Because at the end, if we're going to improve outcomes, and this is where the name of the company comes from, mm-hmm. you know, the provider is a major player in this. And so we had to make sure that as we're developing these, we are quote-unquote on the right side of the provider, and so, first of all, I do want to, you know, one, my co-founder is a medical oncologist actually practicing at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So from the get-go, you know, we, want, we had a lot of early discussions with providers to better understand, you know, what they felt was friction points on their side of the equation. Some of it has to do with Dr. Google that they hate. Why do they hate Dr. Google, right? It's not that. No provider hates the fact to actually talk to a better informed patient. Every provider wants that for their patients. What people, what providers hate is when people are Googling and coming in and they ask questions that actually have zero relevance to the case. So when they have zero relevance to the case, that wastes precious time and confuses the patient. That's why providers hate Dr. Google. So as I mentioned, one of the well, the very first partnership we did was with the NCCN, and we've integrated the clinical guidelines. These are the guidelines that are written for physicians. We've integrated them to make them patient-friendly and patient-facing. And when we've done that, providers, actually, we've started being contacted by providers around saying, I, we love what you've done with the guidelines. This not only helps our patients, but actually, it will helps us. It helps us in the community settings because the field is advancing so fast, and the guidelines get more and more complicated. And so, you know, part of it, we, we did a number of partnerships in Boston. We work with Mass General Hospitals. We're working as we recently announced, you know, the Vanderbilt collaboration, and we also have worked a lot with physicians, individual physicians throughout the way. We continue to have a lot of conversation with them to adapt things to make sure it's mean, it's helpful to them too. The uh, Vanderbilt Ingram Cancer Center and, and, and what you're focusing on, like what problems are you solving there? I love uh, the way this came about because it kind of shows that, you know, once you start working on something that is relevant, I as a founder, you know, have a set ideas where, you know, based on what we're doing, you know, we see value. But then other people may come up and say, hey, have you thought about this, et cetera? And the Vanderbilt example is a great example because as I mentioned, we started in breast cancer. We started with the clinical guidelines for breast cancer. So initially, the experience was fundamentally focused on people that were just diagnosed with breast cancer or going through active treatment. And then, you know, we were at actually a medical meeting in uh, actually at, at the university at Northwestern University in Chicago. 
And we had actually one of the people we're working with at Vanderbilt, Dr. Tua Pal, who's a geneticist and the associate director for cancer health disparities. She saw what we did to the clinical guidelines. And at that point, she said, actually, I love what you guys have done. There is a huge disparities in genetic testing. For those of people that are not fully aware, if you have a predisposition to cancer, there's a lot of things, in particular in breast cancer, that you could do. If, the, if you have a BRCA1, BRCA2, BRCA2 gene mutation, whether you already have breast cancer or not, there are things you could do to improve outcomes. So there's actionable things you could do. But today, people are not being tested. That should be tested. So that initially started by saying, we told her, well, we have this partnership. We could easily extend it to genetic testing, which we did, and we rolled out. And part of that conversation then led to saying, well, actually... You know, we got connected to another doctor, Dr. Deb Friedman at Vanderbilt, so really focused on cancer survivorship. And there she said, actually, I love what you guys are doing, but, you know, there's really a huge need on the survivorship side. And let me just explain what the need is there, right? So once a patient is diagnosed with breast cancer, and unless it's metastatic breast cancer, in early stage breast cancer, at some point, a patient goes into remission. So in other words, the cancer is no longer detected, detected and that's typically sometimes you, you are called survivorship. At that point in time, as a patient, you go from, you know, having the spirit of, you know, fighting the disease, right, and being actively treated to essentially going into survivorship. And on the patient side, you go from essentially being a fighter to actually the ecstatic point of saying, okay, I'm done with treatment, to a real void, an emotional void, because then everything stops and you're not being managed and, and you're unable to know what you need to do. And, and one thing that's very important, I mean, you know, like, I don't know if people realize, today in early stage breast cancer, people are more likely to die from a heart attack than their breast cancer. But wow. the heart attack is not because heart disease is more prevalent. It's heart attack due to the cancer treatment, to the chemotoxicity that's actually to the toxicity that the chemotherapy has created. And that could be managed. These are called late effects of treatments that need to be managed. If they're not managed, people will die from heart attack that is caused by their breast cancer. So much to take in. And I do have a quick question for you. So with COVID, so much has changed. How has your company had to adapt regarding relationships during the COVID pandemic? Yeah, COVID has been interesting because obviously a lot of things have changed. And for us, we went through through different waves. So at the beginning of the of COVID, Right. You know, everybody, you know, like we didn't know what it was. And obviously, you know, let's call it the March to June time frame. And we have our you know, patient population are people that are diagnosed with breast cancer that are typically undergoing chemotherapy or other treatments. And now and there are Im immune compromise. Some of them are because they're taking chemotherapy. And so the initial wave was people were worried and they could not go see the, the physician, right? It took some time for telehealth to pick up and all this. And so what we found ourselves in those early times, early stages of the pandemic, is we ended up actually creating on the platform, it was the first time we started launching these webinars, that where we brought essentially all the top-notch breast cancer oncologists 
in the conversation, live conversations with people on the platform, addressing all their questions. And there were live conversations, we still do them, and essentially evolving as our understanding of the pandemic has evolved. So that was like, call it the first wave of COVID. In the summer, that's when people more settled, if you will, around, you know, kind of you, we better understand what the pandemic is, but also providers really picked up on telehealth. And so in that context, we started seeing also on the provider side, a lot of interest in our platform, because essentially we enable patient engagement remotely. And we really bring in that high quality uh, personalized you know, navigation to help patients, especially if they're in a telehealth setting. So that's when you know we did the partnership with MGH, we did the partnership with Vanderbilt. There's other, you know, that will be announced soon. So that's also kind of was another wave that you know we benefit a lot. And now what what we see is it's a lot about also raising awareness. I mean, one of the things that it's actually worrisome today is people are still, and here I'm talking about patients, not necessarily following up enough with their providers, whether it's screening, whether it's actually procedures. And one thing that worries a lot about the, on the provider side, and we're trying to really raise awareness of it on the patient side, is if you end up catching cancer late, the management of it is much more complex. So delaying screening, delaying treatment is not a good thing. And now everything is safe to be able to do it. Interestingly, also with the vaccine, so this recently came up actually in a webinar, and this is something that the clinical trial for the vaccine doesn't show because, you know, there's not, it's not enriched for a breast cancer population. But one thing that happened once, you know, people, you know, in January, once the vaccine started being given, is one of the side effects of the vaccine that's short-lived is could be an enlargement of the lymph node, which actually for breast cancer could be thought through as a recurrence when it's not. Now there's guidelines around it because now we understand it better. But being able to even mention it and kind of anecdotally, including with, you know, we did that with Dana-Farber where they've been seeing it and letting the population know was a big benefit to patients. It's really encouraging to us, Maya, when we hear this. It's, it's really helpful for us to get an inside look at what goes on behind the scenes when we're talking about such a useful tool for patients, uh, for us to be aware of, of what goes on to, to bring that to market. And I love that provider partnerships are such a key of, of everything you're doing. And and it sounds like the, the roadmap as well. So I love hearing that because it's it really does seem like that's such a, a core part of, of any business when we're talking about any any digital health or health tech tool that's out there these days. So, uh, so it's great to hear all, all of that. I'm very curious as as we kind of you know start to wrap up this conversation, just an open-ended question for you in terms of what else is on the radar screen for you. So you're a founder of a health tech company. You're very very involved, very aware. You're developing something so important and so useful that is so meaningful. What else is on the radar screen? I, I love kind of you know ending with something where we can really look forward to something. What are you excited about right now? Thank you, Jared, for asking the question. I think I mean you know I'm excited about a lot of things. <laughs> But I have to say, I mean, you know, it, you know, it gets old to say, you know, there's no better time to be in health tech than now, but it is true. And I'll t- let me tell you more specifically why. What I'm particularly excited about, especially in terms of what we do. You know, maybe one of the silver lining of COVID is that actually it created the mass education and it made us all, as people first, more aware of health 
and the importance of health and also kind of, you know, whether it's clinical trials, whether, you know, it made us a more, if not educated population, a more curious population and a better sensitive to these issues. And this is exciting. Why? Because, you know, if you're a cancer patient, which is, you know, kind of for the space we're in, you are more open to being more informed about your own care. And that's important. You will do better if you're more informed. So that's exciting. The second thing is there is no more exciting time to be in cancer than today because the science is evolving extremely rapidly, extremely rapidly. So this is exciting. And this is a challenge because as the science moves very fast and in breast cancer, we've had just in the last year, the number of approvals in breast cancer has been just mind, you know, the, the guidelines keep on updating. And that's great. That's great for patients. That's great for providers. That's great for everyone. And that's great for companies like us. Is how do you bring all that, meet people where they are? And then the third thing, which is actually a bit of a challenge, but for a company like us, I'm excited because it's a way to partner with providers and a win-win. Win-win-win. Win for the provider, win for the patient, and win for us. Is unfortunately, because of COVID, hospital systems are strained and their budgets are strained because they had to kind of delay a lot of kind of the treatments and the procedures, the elective procedures that typically helps finance the hospital. Where a platform like ours comes to play is, you know, we do clinical trial matching, we do clinical trial recruitment. We work with providers to help them be more efficient in a way that helps patients. And I think we could be part of the solution with them today in a way that's probably much more impactful than we could have been before COVID. We're definitely all for anything that helps improve efficiency with healthcare. So that's that's fantastic to hear. Maya, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really am inspired by what you're doing here. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. This program is brought to you by Health Connective, custom marketing solutions for medtech and pharma. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.